0: This is an ABC podcast.
1: Hey, it's Yumi here and it's lunchtime on a weekday and my producer Cass Steeth and I have gone to the local public pool. Shorts off. I'm going to leave my socks on. (laughs) The fact is I'm not a very hairy person, but it is something that I think about when I'm about to go to the pool. Can I sit cross-legged or will there be like... Two little koala paws poking out each side of my crotch. I've got a couple of koala paws. Yeah, look. Oh, that's two centimetres long. Can we also just get it on record that you're pulling them out? <laughs> <laughs> With my own koala paws. Yeah, look at that. See how straight they are? My pubes are really straight. So here's a pube that is outside of my swimwear. It's probably a one and a half, two centimetres long. Kinky and dark, dark brown, like my hair. But I think if you were, like, further away than Cassie's. You wouldn't see it, and if you did, you're looking. You want to see something, right?
2: I'm just surprised at how easily they come out.
1: <laughs> They've been tortured for decades. These pubes. The fact is, we've been torturing our pubic hair for thousands of years. It's one of the most scrutinized types of hair anywhere. We wax, we pluck, we shave, we laser research says more than 80% of women groom their fanny hair regularly, so it's extremely common. But we have questions. Like, are we bad feminists for removing our pubic hair? Or are we lazy, gross gremlins if we don't? What are the reasons for keeping our pubes? What are the reasons for getting rid of them? And have we really thought about what's behind our choices? I'm Yumi Steins. Ladies, we need to talk about our pubes. (music) Flick through any magazine and you will not see pubic hair. Go down to the beach and look, I mean, my eyesight's not great, but I'm not seeing many pubes. And stand up, look in your own underwear. And I, look, I don't know you that well, but I feel like I can bet that if you look into your own underpants, you won't be seeing Hagrid from Harry Potter. (laughs) So, how did we arrive here? Most people attribute our lack of pubes to modern porn culture. It's true, porn is everywhere and it's having a massive impact. A study in the Journal of Sexual Medicine from 2015 found 60% of guys said they preferred their partners to be hair-free. But we have a much longer history of removing our pubes. Some ancient Egyptian women would remove their pubic hair with a copper razor. And wealthy Roman women even had slaves who'd pluck out their pubic hairs. In both instances, pubes were considered either uncivilised or unclean. And it turns out for a lot of us, that opinion hasn't changed much. I think that a lot of girls are perceiving it as unclean. This is Dr Talat Upal. She's a gynecologist and obstetrician, and she spends
3: most of her days looking at vulvas. Pubic hair does have a biological function. It basically is a protection, one, during sexual activity, It changes the dynamics from skin on skin when there's no pubic hair to hair on hair. It also functions as a barrier. It's a physical barrier that traps either debris or pathogens or bacteria, then therefore minimises risk of infection to the vulva or the vaginal area.
1: Research says the main reason why we remove our pubes is because we think it's cleaner and more hygienic. As Dr. Talat says, our pubes actually protect us. They're like a ninja warrior shielding our vulvas from germy intruders. Ha! Hi-ya! Ha! Ha! Hi-ya! <laughs> but sometimes we choose to ignore their superpowers.
3: I was shaving my legs once in the shower and I thought, why not continue all the way up? I would have been in year seven or eight. This girl we didn't like, she got out of the pool. We call like spider legs poking out the side. I ended up
1: with a shaving rash in the worst possible area.
3: All my friends were kind of like giggling and like, oh my God, that's so embarrassing, that's so gross. Coming into year 12, I was like, why am I doing this and who's it for?
4: Ever since I got pubes, I've been removing them.
3: It's quite important for me to have pubes when I'm single, especially. It's fun to do shapes. I had a C put on there the first time. Let it do its thing until I get complaints. Part of it's political, but a lot of it's just like, I can't be bothered.
1: I tried to put a letter X on there, but she
3: waxed it a bit
1: weird, so it turned out to be a little crooked Y.
3: They were like, okay, turn over, hold your butt cheeks apart with both of your hands. But I I only have one arm that became a bit of a problem because I'm like, I can't hold both of my butt cheeks apart. So my friend, she came in and volunteered to hold my butt cheeks apart while this little Asian lady waxed my ass crack. People are doing all
1: kinds of things with their pubes, which is why for this episode we're having a super friendly, non-judgy debate. Because whether you're for or against removing them, the point is you probably do something. For the anti-pubes team, introducing Team Dolphin! repped by Christina Zeng. When I say that it makes me feel ready for anything, I really mean it. I actually got a Brazilian right before I gave birth. Christina's a comedian and a finance manager. For the pro-pubes team, introducing Pubis Maximus! We have Maeve Marsden. The pubic hair is there to keep things clean. It's there to protect it, your little bits. Maeve's a writer, director, performer and producer of The Queer Stories, a live storytelling show all about sharing stories from the LGBTQI plus community. This is Maeve's case for keeping her precious pubes.
0: righty, let's go. I don't remove my pubes. I mean, I trim with a little pair of nail scissors, but no wax, no hair removal creams, no razors. It's cheaper, it's easier, and you get to avoid beauticians and ingrowns. I grew up with two mothers and the women in our community of lesbian families all had armpit hair, leg hair, pubic hair. We were a fairly naked household. So I really understood what adult women's bodies looked like. I think a lot of women situate their sexuality and their identity and their feminism in their bodies in a really particular way they're like pro-waxing because feminism is about choice Or they're pro-pubic hair because it's natural and anti-patriarchy But I'm just like, do what's easiest for you That is my argument <laughs> I don't have an evangelical need to celebrate my body's like bits And I think that that's actually because of my parents Because if you raise a kid without shame about their sexuality or their body There's no like revelation you just raise talking openly about sex and bodies And you don't have a need to fight back so, I've slept with women with all sorts of different approaches to pubic care. Uh, and being queer, the conversations are always really open about what a person wants and likes. So I'm really, yeah, maybe I'm not arguing that I'm pro-pubes. I'm just arguing that everybody should be gay. Does that work as an argument? Oh, no, I've ruined the debate. No, look, I do always insist in trimming, both for me and my partner, because it gives much better access and it stops you getting pubes in your teeth in those romantic moments <laughs> Or you, and you don't get choked on one so you're not like in a moment and then suddenly making the sound of like a cat with a hairball, like the So no, you do have to trim for convenience, not aesthetics. I think that women are never told that they can just do what's easiest with their bodies. It's always about what looks best. And it's generally about what looks best to men. I did have one partner who suggested we try giving me a Brazilian and that's the closest I've ever gotten. I've never had a Brazilian at all, but she thought it might be fun to use an electric razor. Uh, but we were drunk and we did a terrible job, which left it all patchy. And ever since I've called trimming my pews doing a Britney, like the time Britney Spears shaved her head really (laughs) badly. So my partner and I will be like, let's go to bed. And I'll be like, yep, just got to do a Britney first. So we are super open about our bodies. We trim for each other for convenience. We laugh about our bodily functions. So be gay, Grow your pubes, laugh about buddies. Also, when the climate apocalypse comes, no-one will have time to get waxed when we're all looting and pillaging, so you should get used to a full bush now.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And now it is time for Christina Zeng,
4: speaker for Team Dolphin. Take it away, Christina. I remove my pubes because it's more physically comfortable for me. It makes me feel clean, confident and ready for anything. I think the feeling after a fresh wax is just incomparable. I feel like I can tackle anything, you know, like, you know, one of those girls in the tampon commercials, I just, I feel like I can just do some splits in a leotard or, I don't know, wear a bikini to the beach without the fear of something unexpected falling out the side. Rightly or wrongly, porn has made it an expectation that women are groomed down there. So, you know, sex with a new partner is awkward enough as it is. I just want to remove any potential points of friction, literally, in this case. And for me, shaving's not an option. I tried it, but imagine having a five o'clock shadow on your nether regions. I mean, a stubble is cute on a guy, but when you have to sit on one for eight hours a day, It's not very good. (laughs) And when I say that it makes me feel ready for anything, I really mean it. I actually got a Brazilian right before I gave birth. Uh, (laughs) So I remember going to a birthing class at the hospital and watching a video and you could tell it was made in the 70s, if you know what I mean. Um, (laughs) Everyone in the class audibly gasped at the sight of the magnificent bush. But we also agreed that it was also a really huge visual obstruction. I mean, there's enough happening on the day. I just wanted to make sure the obstetrician had a clear line of sight. It was funny because my baby came out with a full head of hair because she's half Lebanese. When I was crowning, the nurse handed me a mirror and I was so heavily drugged. I freaked out because I thought my pubes had grown back in three days. I have a better sexual experience without pubes getting in the way. I feel sexier and I'm more easily stimulated. I'll do anything to give, you know, my partner a clear run at the target. Definitely helps when Indiana Jones doesn't have to navigate a furry booby <laughs> trap to get at the holy grail. Indiana Jones is the name of my husband's penis. <laughs> pubes makes oral sex a no-go zone. I'm not aroused by the idea of my husband sticking his face in a mountain of fur and getting pubes in his mouth. I want him to feel like he's going down on a fresh sourdough, not like he's Frenching Chewbacca. Oh. <laughs> and that's it from me. <laughs> <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> wow!
1: Oh dear. What do you think about that? About not going down on a on a hairy bush? I'm just so
0: used to it. Like, I, I, <laughs> there's no like unsleazy way to say. I've been down on quite a few vaginas. From no hair to heat. if I'm attracted to the person up top, whatever I get when I get down there, I'm like, cool, this is you. I'm into it because I'm into you. Mm. The trimming thing just for access matters, mm. but it's a really practical thing rather than an aesthetic one. But, yeah, I, I mean, I've enjoyed going down on people with no pubes as well. Like it's not like an anti thing. I don't want to, like, be mean about your vagina. Or vulva, I should be accurate. There's something about absolutely no hair that makes me think a little bit of like a prepubescent situation. Yeah, yeah. Um, So sometimes I'm a bit thrown by that. But again, if that's what that woman's into and I'm into her...
1: Go for it. The, just the argument about zero pubes, mm. I have a problem with that because I have, like, prepubescent boobs. So if I'm not allowed to have a prepubescent uh, that's um, a good point. breast, then I'm not allowed to have a prepubescent vulva, and that's not fair, is it? Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Mm. Dan, you won that one. <laughs> I hate being wrong. <laughs> but back to back to this idea... Christina, I think this is the, where you sit, a lot of our listeners will sit, which is that they want to present as something beautiful to their partners, whether the partner's male or female. Mm-hmm. But that beauty idea is very much hairless or mm-hmm. very, very minimal hair in just a neat, sort of sculpted spot, mm-hmm. not getting in the way of access to your pussy, really, essentially. Is that, is that fair on, on women
4: to, to have this expectation? I think for me, it's just, you know, not having to have an awkward conversation around it. And I I don't want to say that I was ever shamed about it, but before I started getting Brazilian, so I was about 22, 23, um, I did have a kind of a weird, awkward experience that, you know, I was on a date and then kind of, you know, we went back to his place and we saw each other naked. Like I could see that he was a bit uncomfortable with me having a full bush. Like it it was just a bit of a weird moment. And like I don't know whether other girls have had that experience but rightly or wrongly that's sort of I've carried that. So I've kind of just wanted to eliminate that kind of weird That reaction yeah. from ever happening exactly. again. Exactly, yeah.
1: Wow. So yeah. I've got two daughters. I've actually got three daughters but two are 15 and 17 so they're right in that pocket of being in their woman bodies but not being old enough or maybe financially liquid enough to go to the waxing salon, right? So they are nursing full bushes and I really hope they don't mind me saying that. Oh <laughs> but, but all teenage girls are yeah. until they reach the point where they're comfortable to go and have a beautician deal with it. They, that's what their bodies look like. So from, say, I don't know, 11 or so to mm. 15 or 16, that's what a girl's body looks like but nowhere do they get to see... That's Mm. what a body looks like. Yeah. Bizarre. Okay. Imagine you're at the swimming pool. Okay. And you see what you always see at the swimming pool, the public pool, people in their bathers. When you're confronted by a woman in a swimsuit with pubic hair on either side of her swimsuit, what's your reaction?
4: I feel like um, our pubic hair has become really political and I didn't think that this discussion would get so deep, but I it, I feel like it is like a, a metaphor for how women are viewed and judged on a larger scale and, you know, having pubic hair coming out of your bikini, I feel like people would judge that woman for being, you know, unkempt, disorganised, you know, doesn't really look after herself. And I guess to some level on a societal, like, kind of, you know, wanting to fit in kind of level... A lot of women do, mm. you know, clean themselves up down there to avoid that but kind that word of
0: clean. Yeah. It's so like, like the pubic hair is there to keep things clean. It's there to protect it, your little bits. And I'm quite attached to my little bits. I like them. I like that they're protected by this little. <laughs> <laughs> Little barrier against the world, yeah. but sorry, I interrupted you. But I, just the word "clean," I noticed it when you said it before, and I'm like, your bits are clean. There are self, like
1: it's a self cleaning system. But maybe because of your two mums, yeah. you've grown up in a different with a different experience of societal totally, pressure. Yeah. But do you understand what it, what it does feel like? The judgment that you can get, and the, I think the the weight of the judgment is. If your pubes are visible from your swimsuit, you're like borderline crazy. It's not laziness. Mm. It's it, it could be a True. political statement, yeah. but it's like, are you okay in what? Oh, yeah.
0: I mean, I was brought up with these values, but I still live in the world. And I mean, my pubes don't really show because I'm fat. So I either wear board shorts or my thighs kind of like, tuck the area in so that's quite handy so I don't have to face the judgment in the same way and I'm not super super hairy down there but no I get how that would feel and I get that it's a judgment if I see pubes on either side I'm like either they're queer or a feminist or like I make a decision about who they are and that's not fair even if it's a positive
1: judgment. Mm, I can see that Hair removal is totally a choice, which we've always known and we've agreed Mm. on that. I think there's a cohort of women around my age who did get lasering and they're stuck with their choice. (laughs) They can't (laughs) turn back time and regrow that hair. It's gone. It's effectively a date stamp that we were seeing beauticians probably in our 20s or 30s. The other thing is all my partners in sex, I think, I mean, I didn't do an extensive survey, but I think when they're there having sex, with me, they're just happy to be there no matter what it looks like, no matter what the hair situation is and I'm guessing that that's how it will be for most partners of women into the future And most good ones yeah. Exactly yeah. <laughs> yes. yeah, And if you happen to be one of the good ones, please write your name and phone number on this piece of paper and I'll be collecting them at the end of this episode So with pubes it's obviously a choose your own adventure type situation But with all this social messaging in our heads about what to do with our pubes, it's not always a straightforward decision. I asked Dr Talat, the gynaecologist, for a medical 101 when it comes to pubic hair. We started with a quick game of true or false. If you keep your pubes, your vulva is smellier. False. If you shave, your hair grows back thicker. That's false. False. As you get older, your pubes thin or drop out. True. Pubic hair protects against STIs. That's true. Having no pubes is cleaner. No, that's false. So our pubes are our friends. But they're obviously not always seen like that. And I get it too. Pubes can be annoying. They're big, they're bushy, and they do sometimes get in the way. But the bottom line is... They're natural.
3: I cannot count how many times women have articulated to me some apology or regret about not shaving or not preparing themselves. What we want to do is reassure women. So we see pubic hair just as a body part, as your hands are, as your legs are, as any other part of your body is. And so I always reassure women that please don't apologise. You absolutely don't need to even think about this when you come to see us. We want to be more concerned about what your problem is.
1: So they say things like, "Oh, I'm sorry, sorry, I haven't shaved. Or yes, I haven't or waxed. I didn't get
3: time to. Or I meant to, or I couldn't reach down there." <laughs> and, and always I'm like, no, "No, no, no, no! Don't even think about that. Don't worry about oh. that. You know, um, let's focus on your baby, or let's." focus on your heavy periods. How many times a day do you reckon you hear that? I hear that quite often. Um, I would say almost every day. At least one person will articulate Mm. some. Some sort of different ways in which it's phrased, but the core concept is the same. It's some sort of apology. And so the other concept that I see in um, obstetrics and gynecology where some change has occurred is like, again, more than two decades ago, or certainly in the past, um, for labor, women used to actually prepare and shave and organize themselves. And over years, um, this has actually not been shown to be that beneficial at all. We've moved away from those um, thinking, and actually, the World Health Organization. Has released a recommendation to say that women who are anticipating vaginal birth, it's actually recommended not to shave either their pubic area or perennial area. And even for women coming up for cesarean, we say that, look, it's better for us to clip it um, just prior to surgery, as opposed to, you know, you shaving any time prior to that is, is actually not encouraged. Anymore. Wow. Is there any reason why it's better not to? When you shave, because that area is not a flat, line, it is quite possible to to create microabrasions or, you know, a, it's a fragile skin that can actually have cuts. And then that then predisposes to an infection when we go in there and make another cut on top of that area that's already now tampered with. Are no pubes more hygienic? Not really, because like well, like we started the discussion by saying that there is a biological function to the pubic hair. But Yumi, I think now medicine is really appreciating psychology and emotional well-being as well. Your psychological well-being is also very important. And Mm. if that actually gives you joy or that makes you feel more comfortable and that's the end product that you want for your body, then so be it. Mm. I think our role as health professionals is to say, look, please don't do it on health reasons because it actually doesn't and don't necessarily do it on hygiene reasons. But Beauty is a shifting standard, unfortunately. Dr. Talat, if you were Prime Minister and you, <laughs> and you were going to give issue an order that everybody has to have
1: the same sort of pubes, what would oh. your choice be for the women of this country?
3: Hmm. Personally, because again, you know, my perspective might be because I do see some of the injuries from this might be that maybe do we chill and just leave it as natural. Everybody chill. Everybody chill. Yeah, Prime Minister Dr Talat has (laughs) issued the edict. I love it.
1: We also asked Dr Talat about the risks associated with pubic hair removal. Okay, so here they are. For shaving, there's the risk of cuts or razor burns or infected hair follicles, which in turn could cause an abscess, which is delicious. Hot wax can result in burns and with laser you need to be mindful of skin irritation, pigmentation changes, blisters and my personal favorite, skin crusting. And with those smelly creams that make your pubes fall out, they might also make your clit fall off. <laughs> just just kidding. Just kidding. But if you get a skin reaction the first time you use a depilatory cream, the second time will be heaps more diabolical. So it's probably a good idea to avoid using it again if you've had one bad reaction. So now you've got your facts straight and you've heard arguments both for and against pubic hair. There is just one more vital thing to wrap your head around. So go with me here.
2: It's looking at why the hell we're actually doing all this. When it comes to women's body hair, people are going to have opinions. This
1: is Mona Chilleby. She's a British data journalist who built a huge international following
2: covering politics and a range of gender issues. I would actually say that for women, it's sometimes associated with our sanity. It's a woman who's who's not even self-aware enough to see and to know that that hair is there and other people see it.
1: Mona, hair removal is such a complicated topic because it feels really linked to our ideas of femininity and also Mm. feminism. So are you a bad feminist if you wax or laser?
2: Not at all. Not at all. I just want people to be making decisions with all of the information that they possibly can. When women are surveyed and asked why do you remove your hair, they say they think of it as unhygienic. Which, again, if you really, really, really think about it, what we're saying is there's something that is just fundamentally dirtier about our bodies than men's bodies, and that is just not true. Like, biologically that's not true, but also societally it's not true because men don't even wash their bodies as frequently as (laughs) women do. Like, it's just not true. And that, to me, is actually really upsetting.
1: Mona, if you were to read women's magazines, there's this view that we remove our body hair for men. But often mm. there's, there's just as much judgment from women
2: about our body hair, if not more. Do you agree? I do agree, but I think it's a little bit more complicated than that, right? So it's about the patriarchy, right? And the patriarchy is enforced by men as well as women. So another woman might make me feel bad about my underarm hair, but that other woman is in some ways enforcing a male gaze and a male stereotype of how women's bodies should be. And the way that it has come about is from advertising that says women remove your hair and you will be more attractive and more desirable to men. All of these messages that we still hold about it being unhygienic for women to have hair and unattractive were specific, explicit messages that were given to us by companies that were trying to sell us products. I'm
1: really interested also in that idea of being crazy. Mm -hmm. It's like you're wearing a stamp of insanity because you've got, yeah. say, you're in your swimmers and you've got two big patches of pubic hair down the sides of your thighs. Mm-hmm. So yeah. when people see that, you're either full-blown unaware of yourself or you're, I don't know, what. like what's the alternative?
2: Or, Or you just do not care at all Mm. and it's like such a deep do not care at all and that tells you this line in society to transgress it to say i don't care i'm still going to have my pubes out is such a deep line in terms of like what constitutes normal and what constitutes okay behavior
1: so i have a friend who is 29 years old he's good looking he earns good money and he's single and he dates different women every weekend and he mm-hmm. said he hasn't seen a full thatch of pubes in about five years.
2: <laughs> set him up on a date with me. <laughs> <laughs> we can we can set him straight in a couple of minutes. It's no. <laughs> so
1: I asked him. I said, "What would? How would you react if you did go to bed yeah. with someone and they had full pubes?" And he said, "I probably wouldn't go back again."
2: Well, I mean, then it's worth asking him why. Why does that disgust you? And I've gotten a lot of flack for this before because people have pushed back and said to me, no, people's sexual preferences, their sexual desires are beyond analysis or investigation, right? Mm. I disagree with that. And I use the example of racial preferences when dating. So we find that lots of people say, oh, I'm willing to date anyone. But actually, when it comes down to online behavior, people don't want to date black women and they don't want to date East Asian men. And that's because of racism, right? Mm. Everyone's saying, oh, it's just my own individual preferences. I'm just not attracted to East Asian men. But where are you getting that from? Mm. And I would say the exact same thing to him. If he's saying, this is just my taste, it's nothing sexist, I just find pubic hair repulsive, I would ask him, do you find your own pubic hair repulsive? Do you find it repulsive if you saw another guy in the shower with pubic hair? Why is your desire wrapped up in this notion that women shouldn't have hair there? And interrogate it.
1: Interrogate it or or just tell them to get plucked. (laughs) Men shower less than women, and yet their pubes are considered perfectly cool, while our lush vegetation is considered germy. Sounds like more than a whisker of double standards going on there. Now, just because you've listened to this podcast doesn't mean you've sworn an oath to forsake the razor and the hot wax and welcome the great Australian koala into your underpants unless you're Christina Zing. She was Team Dolphin and we asked her to do us a favour, to grow her pubes
4: back and tell us what it's like. It was definitely curly and very thick. It took about six weeks for it to be completely grown out. So going to the beach, having sex with my partner, so all of those things I did with the full bush. I did feel really self-conscious going to the beach and Especially, you know, lying on a towel and trying to get a tan while I was like lying there, knowing that there were some stray hairs falling out the side of my bikini or like walking, just like that that walk of shame, almost walking to the water. Everybody are so well groomed and beautiful. And I was just like, oh my gosh, I've got a full bush and I'm in a bikini. It was, yeah, I was pretty embarrassed. (laughs) It did reveal to me. That even though consciously I thought that I had made the decision to get Brazilians for my own personal reasons, by growing it out and observing my own reaction in a public space, definitely made me realise that there are a lot of societal and underlying reasons why I was doing it as well. Not that I was ashamed of that, but yeah, it, it was interesting to discover that.
1: If you've been inspired to map out your own little bit of Tasmania, feel free to drop a line to this pubication, ladies at abc.net.au. For sure. (laughs) You can find Ladies We Need To Talk on a podcast app or on the ABC Listen app. Ladies is mixed by Anne-Marie de It's produced by Jane Curtis. Supervising producer is Cassandra Steeth and our executive producer is Justine Kelly. This series was created by Claudine Ryan. The manager of Audio Studios is Kelly Reardon. Hey, if you love juicy conversations about things that we don't talk about enough, why don't you check out the latest season of the Pineapple Project podcast? It's hosted by my friend, Jan Fran. Hello, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> so, Jan, this is a binge-worthy podcast about death. Yes, ma'am, it is. It's got wills. It's got funerals. It's got what to do so your mum doesn't see your nudes if you accidentally die. All the big stuff, Yumi. All the big stuff. (laughs) Can't wait. That is the latest season of The Pineapple Project.